It's officially grilling season at the Home Depot. So don't miss Memorial Day savings on grills happening now so you can celebrate with a backyard barbecue for the whole block. Step up your grill game and serve up a feast with the next grill four burner gas grill with durability to last summer after summer on special buy only $199. Get ready for a whole summer of entertaining at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. I would try to win the areas that I could win. Like I would try to be the best on pit road. And I don't know if anybody pays attention to that, but I do. I knew I couldn't win the race, but I could beat all them suckers going down pit road. Right. <laughs> and so awesome. I would do things like that. And Bob Levine, I would get a speeding penalty and he would pull me in the office and he would be like, what, what's the deal? And I said, Bob, I want to be the best on pit road. I want to win pit road every week. I know I'm not going to win on the racetrack. And, he's, and he said, well, you can't speed. That costs us too much. And I said, Bob, I can't, I can't be the best on pit road and never get a speeding ticket. Never happen. He said, yes, you can. You're a damn professional. Welcome to Latart on Location. I'm your host, Steve Letard, and folks, when you've spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a NASCAR crew chief, and now as an analyst on NBC, you are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. With Letard on location, I try to bring you closer to some of these personalities I've connected with in a whole bunch of great locations. So sit back and get ready for some off-the-grid conversation. All right, this week's guest for Latart on location, a special guest because he just won the biggest race in NASCAR. I don't know if you know this now, Michael, but you will now be introduced for the rest of your life as a Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell. Michael, man, appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure it has been a whirlwind since the checker flag at the 500. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's, um, you know, it's incredible. I mean, you know what it's like. You have, you have the flag right behind your head there. I mean, to win Daytona 500 is unlike any race in our sport, just all the things that come with it in the weeks, you know, after winning the race. And, um, you know, just, it's just a neat experience that, you know, it's my first time taking it all in and enjoying it all. And, and so it's been fun. It's, and especially this week, you know, now I'm back here in Arizona. This is where I grew up. So all my friends and family are here. My wife's friends and family are here. Um, so it's kind of getting to relive it, you know, because even a month out, it, it started to lose a little bit because you're just in the grind of, you know, getting ready for the next week. So this week's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're out there with family. I want to talk about that day. There's so much I want to cover. Um, you are truly one of the nicest guys of NASCAR. I couldn't have been happier to see you win that race. And I want to get into your career and kind of the, the stepping stones, the ups and downs. But first, let's just talk about that day. Um, I say this a lot and people think I'm lying, but I had announced I was leaving Dale Jr. And, and every race I ever entered, I kind of dreamt of winning or, or in my mind thought yeah. we could win. And I think I mentally was kind of broken. I'm like, hey, we're just going to have a great last year and have a lot of fun. This is a race that I didn't think in my mind we were going like, oh, I didn't dream of winning the Daytona 500 when we won it. So my question to you is, uh, you know, 360 starts. Do you yeah. get to a point where you ever lose? I know as a race car driver, you always dream of it. Do you ever get yeah. to a point where you quit visualizing winning a race this big? Um, yes and no. And I know that that's not, not the answer that makes sense, but there's times of doubt. I think that everybody has that, right? There's always times of doubt. And, um, but no, in the sense that I've always held on to that hope of like, 
if I keep doing it, one day I'll be at the right spot at the right time and it'll happen, right? And not necessarily the Daytona 500, just any race. Um, so it wasn't like I was zeroed in on Daytona 500 or, or bust, right? Um, to me, it's always been about winning a race, any race in the Cup Series. Um, and, I, and I did always hold on to that, that nugget of, of hope of if everything goes right on a given day, maybe, maybe you can get it done, right? Um, but you do go through moments of doubt. I think everybody does. And probably more of those moments of doubt for me is when I get to the end of the season, because a lot of times I'm on like a year to year deal and it's more of like not even having a chance at it because you, you don't have a job. Right. And so when I go into Daytona, I'm always super pumped because one is I have a job and I know that I have 36 more opportunities at it all going right. Like I got another year to do it, you know? And so like you said, the kind of the last year, I feel like every year is my last year, right? I'm like, all, and, and I've always kind of had that approach. Um, and not because that's the mindset that I take, but that's literally the reality that I live in. It is literally year to year. So, well, so you mentioned it year to year, 10 different owners in the last 14 years. But I want to stick on this season, though, right? Because it wasn't just Daytona. First of all, you ran up front the whole race. So, you know, when you were the guy that crossed the start finish line, I, I was like, yeah, like he, this wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a surprise. I wasn't a shocker. You were in the mix all day long, right? There is a yeah. bit of survival to it. You did it. You found yourself through the meth, through the carnage, which is a key to winning in a plate race. You did it. But then you came right back and consistently ran in the top 10. You know, the road course, your road course, uh, you know, we're going to go through your career, but, you know, your road course talent is never in question. You always outperform your equipment, and that's not a knock on anybody's equipment. There are times that I, I the car's better than the driver. There's times the driver's better than the car. When you go yeah. both directions, I'm going to give you the vote every time and the nod every time. But then you backed it up again at a high-speed track. Went down to Miami, ran well again. Um, I'm just going to shoot you straight. How is it? How are we seeing yeah. this resurgence? It's not just Daytona, right? Is it, is it relief? Is it in the playoffs? Is it someone like Ford backing you all up? Is it just you guys had it the whole time and, and perhaps me being in the media didn't give you credit? Like, what's the truth? No, okay. So, yeah, I'll lay it out for you what I think. You know, it, it's what I think. It's not what I know, right? Because there's always these moving targets in racing. But if you just back up to last year, we had solid performance last year. And, and like you said, probably not enough to catch everybody's attention, you know, but on those days where we'd run 15th or 16th or 17th, we were beating some really good teams and we knew that we were getting closer because it was, you know, you always have those runs where not that you luck into it, but there's a little bit of attrition strategy goes your way. You get a top 10, it's kind of out of the norm, kind of it's cool, but it gets blown over, but we were racing in the teens a lot last year. And so we felt like we were getting close to being in that, you know, in that contention area because, you know, the separation, right? The separation is huge. You know, you to run 18th is really, really tough. Um, but that jump from 24th to 18th is big. That jump from 18th to 12th is, is a lot. And then it's even bigger yet, right? And so we felt like we were inching – towards being more competitive and we have the last couple of years. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is what I think's allowed us to be more competitive the last two years than in previous years um, is the fact that this next gen car is coming out and NASCAR put a freeze on a lot of the development. Right. And so, 
you know, with, with as aero sensitive as these cars are and, and how important downforce is and, you know, taking drag out of the cars and efficiency, you know, the teams were developing at such a fast rate, you know, underneath the car and pans and sway bar arms and everything, oil pans, everything to make it like a flat bottom race car. Right. And every time they did that, it was all new suspension, all new spindles, all new pitman arms, all new steering links. Everything was new. And so we just can't keep up with that as a small team. We can't do that three or four times throughout the year. We can start out the year pretty current, and that's kind of what we race throughout the year. And so with that freeze, that's helped us just do the details better. We're not, we're not manufacturing pieces. We're not developing pieces. We're just making our race cars a little bit lighter, a little bit better, a little bit more downforce, a little bit more efficient, just paying attention to the details um, because we're not making these huge swings every single week and every single month. So I think that that's a big part of it. Um, and then, you know, people, it's all about people, you know, Drew Blickensdurfer, I don't always give him a lot of credit because you know what it's like inside that team dynamic, right? Is that Drew's a stud. I know he's a stud. He knows he's a stud, but I don't always want to talk about Drew because there's a lot of guys that make him look like a stud. And I don't want to take away from those guys, but it is his leadership and his mentality that's come to the front row. That's helped us a tremendous amount. And I don't say that to take away from anybody that was there before, but you know, Derek Finley's done a great job on the competition side and we've moved people around, but Drew's brought that intensity of like, okay, let's do it better. And let's, let's, let's make it better. And so uh, Drew's a big part of it. And then the, our, our core guys. And then the, not to be long-winded, but the next part is NASCAR just kind of cracked down a little bit this year on, you know, some of the gray areas that teams were exploring with this Hawkeye system. And, and I'm not calling anybody out because you know, the game, the game is the game. It's always been the game. We push it just as hard as anybody, right? I mean, we have to, and just like everybody has to, um, but at the same time, the bigger teams that have those Hawkeye systems in their shop, have a huge advantage. We don't have one in our shop. And so we weren't able to maximize all the areas that they were maximizing. And now that some of those have been brought back, I feel like we just, we just got a bonus. We just more competitive than we would have been otherwise because it brought the top teams a little bit closer to us. So we made gains. Um, but at the same time, I think they lost a little bit. And so that's, what's brought it all together. Well, so I want to get into some personality conversation, but I'm going to stick on the racing side. Just one more thing. The new car's coming. I have my opinions. Everybody has their opinions. We hear a lot from the front guys because they get asked the question a lot. But I'm going to ask you, you see this new car coming. Just your thoughts on, do you feel this is an opportunity? Do you think this is a, a challenge? Just in general, how do you and front row look at the new car coming a year out? So I look at the new car and I looked at the new car, you know, before the pandemic is if I can make it to the new car that I would have a good shot of, of having some opportunities to win races. And the reason that is, is even at the road courses, you still have to have a car that can win the race right? because the top guys are still really good, you know, and I might, and I, and I do think, I do think apples to apples, I can outperform most of them at those road courses. I really do believe that. But that's not that's not the game that I'm in. And so, you know, I, I run with my tongue hanging out and we'll finish sixth or seventh. And man, it's just I don't we don't have the speed to, to win those races. I do feel that next gen car will level the playing field enough in that first year 
I think that we can, we can knock some out. And, um, and so I look forward to that. You know, I look forward to that new car. Now the best teams will always be the best teams. They'll figure it out. Yeah. But I think that it'll bring everybody pretty close to start out with. And so that gives me a good opportunity and the schedule too, with more road courses. So I looked at it as an opportunity, but I'll be like super frank with you. I didn't know if I would make it to it because I've been so close to not having a job these last few years that, man, I'm like, if I could just get to the next gen car, I can win a couple races and that'll keep me around, you know, a little bit longer. So um, yeah, I'm excited about what that could look like. So en enough about racing. I agree with you. I mean, look, everything you've said, people can talk about all they want. Um, I can list the cars. If people want to know how hard it is to run 25th in a cup race, let me tell you who you have to outrun. You want to run yeah. 20th? I'm going to give you five more names. You're going to have to find a way by 15th, 10th, 5th. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it is about 27th or 8th on the grid. It gets to be a very steep, very well-funded yeah. curve that you're yeah. running into of teams. And I'm also okay with Rick Hendrick and Joe Gibbs having an advantage because they have built organizations around, like this isn't an overnight success. So everything you've said, I'm totally on it. But I, I want to talk about what you've mentioned a few times. You're 36 years old. You have a wife, four kids. Uh, you're a man of faith. You're, or I don't want to say you're always in a good mood and diminish your competitive fire. Cause I see it yeah. when you get it, yeah. you're a race car driver. You're as competitive as they come. But, but you, you seem to just have lived your life, the people you're around, both competitively and friendly, just in all the right ways. How do you manage the anxiety and the pressure of, as you mentioned, one-year deals? I mean, trying to be yeah. a professional race car driver when, what are there, hundreds of thousands of race car drivers in the world? And there are, I don't know, in all the series, maybe 100 that we're going to call professional. So, so yeah. you know, what's it like living on that edge of professional race car driver versus being a provider and, and not being able to drive. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in the early years, it was really tough. It was really tough because, you know, you just hang it on for dear life. And I'm still and was still, I do think that, let me just say this. I think the win and the way that we're running, I'm not hanging on for dear life right now. I just want to clarify that. I don't feel well, like I agree. You know, Listen, if you don't yeah, have an agent, yeah. <laughs> sign up because I think I think your stock's going in the right direction. Yeah, so I completely but, agree with you. But you know, up until this point, it's been like that, and it's not been because you know teams don't want me. It's never been that, and I don't. I think that's what people don't understand that the perception is is like Ollie lost his ride. But you know, even at LFR, like we went from starting parking there to running pretty competitively, and I felt a part of that. And I think if you'd ask anybody there, Bob and Sharon Levine, they would say the same thing, but they were spending so much of their own money. Like they had to put Casey Kane in. They had to, because they needed somebody in that car that they could sell right away. A big name that would help them get that one or two sponsors that could help them propel them to that next level. Right. And so all those little things, you know, it's, I've never felt like you know, I've been just kicked out, thrown out on my face. Right. But it has been that year to year. So you ask, you know, how do you manage that? Well, in the beginning, it was hard, man. Those off seasons were rough because I don't have a backup plan. Like I know the perception is you're an NASCAR driver. So you make millions and millions of dollars. Well, i never have, I never have, you know, and I, I won't this year. I know people don't understand that, but I won't like the reason I have a job is because I do it for less. That's why I have a job. That's why I've had a job. Because otherwise, I'd be replaced with the next guy that's got two or three million bucks. He'd be in the 34 right now. 
And so that's the reality of, of how things are. Um, so for me, there's never been a backup plan. So those off seasons were stressful. You know, I, what am I going to do? I like, I can go a few months, but I'm going to have to figure out, you know, what my job's going to be. Um, but that is what has really stretched my faith. Like time and time again, like I feel like God has provided like time and time again, things that don't even make sense have happened. Right. And I could go through a long list of just like these crazy moments of being completely out and then having something happen. And, um, and it's happened time and time again. And so after you see that three or four times, you realize I'm not in control because I've always worked hard. Like that's never been an issue. Like I enjoy working hard. That, that comes naturally to me. It's not something I have to force myself to do. And so it's not like I can dig anymore to provide that opportunity. And so, so after experiencing that for a few years, I just realized like, as much as I think I'm in control, I am not in control. And so that, that gives me a little bit of that, that peace in that off season of like, whatever's next, you know, is next. And, um, but early on, it was definitely tough. I think one of the toughest points for me, and it sounds kind of crazy because it's not even a, the, it isn't even the worst situation, but it was when I went full-time at LFR, I was still driving my motorhome to every race and still doing a lot of things, you know? And so I was at the shop every single day. I was, I was bumping my car at LFR. I mean, I was setting it up on the plate. I, I was, and and I was driving the motorhome home after doing 500 miles and trying to get my kids to school on Monday. And I just remember going down the road being like, man, I cannot do this anymore. Like, it's just impossible. I was so spread so thin that I wasn't doing anything well. Like, I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing anything good. And, um, and so even though I had a full-time gig and things were moving in the right direction, I was just completely spent of just driving and shop and all of it. And so there's been, you know, those moments where you just needed like a, a break. And as crazy as that break was, is um, my wife's, uh, my in-laws, my, my wife's mom and dad came out and drove the motor home, man, that was a game changer for me because now like I could be really focused at the shop and I could study video way better and I could be more prepared. And then performance started getting better in like, so these, all these little, um, you know, moments that have been, you know, really shaping and forming and, and the journey's been, it's been awesome. It's been tough, but it's been awesome. You know, it's um, I, I need that perspective. You know, I'm, I'm blessed, right? I'm 41. Make sure I'm right. Yeah. Almost 42. <laughs> all of Dever Dunn's work in racing. Now I work in television. I have a little bit of opportunity to still dabble in racing and it's, and it's, I, I, I spin over the anxiety of performance, which is weird, right? Because yeah. I, I have the confidence of my work ethic, but I have this anxiety to not be as good as the people that have empowered me, want me or expect me to be. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so I'm going to ask you that question as a race car driver, where the goal isn't to win every week. I know that's great. Everybody says the goal is to win, but we all understand what you're up against. We just talked about what that yeah. curve is, right? So how do you, and, and I asked you this because maybe I'll do a better job of managing it, listening to your answer. How do you manage? How do you rate? How do you find comfort in your performance in an yeah. area that's so hard to measure? Yeah. So I don't think I'm great at this either. Um, it's tough. It is super tough. And I, 
to I'm gonna I'm gonna go backwards with this. I did not realize the amount of stress and pressure I was carrying about the win. Like I've always said, like ah man, like it's not what defines you. It's not who you are. And I do believe that. I I know that. But I carry I carried so much anxiety and pressure from not winning a race that I didn't realize it until after Daytona. Because every time I go to Daytona or Talladega or a road course or a place where I think that I have an outside shot at winning a race, I did not realize how much of that I was carrying. Mm. And when I went into the Daytona road course, it was the most awkward feeling for me. It, I just wasn't stressed about it. I wasn't nervous about it. I wasn't all freaked out during the week. Now I still studied and I still put in the time. I did all the things I normally did, but there was a serious relief that I didn't realize I even had. Right. So I say that to, to start it off with, I was carrying more than I thought that I was with that. Um, and as far as the performance goes, like in the beginning, I would set goals that were hard, but achievable. Right. Even when I start and parked, I had to have goals because I, I had to accomplish something. And the goal of starting parking was to make the race, right? But when I made the race, I'm like, all right, we know we're only gonna run 25 laps. I'm going to pass Danica or whoever it is. I just pick somebody. I'm gonna run my guts out for 25 laps and pass this person, <laughs> you know, like just yeah. have a goal. So that at the end of the week, you didn't feel like you didn't accomplish anything or you didn't do anything, right? Um, and so, you know, I always set, some sort of performance goal, you know, within that weekend. And, you know, as it's gotten better and better and better, that target's kind of moved, right? But at the end of the day, the only thing that allows you to have a little bit of peace and comfort is that you, that you did all that you could, right? And I shouldn't even say that because Bob Levine taught me something and it really made a lot of sense is like, um, you know, if I would say something like, man, I did my very best. And he would be like, that's not your very best. Like, what? Wait, no, that was, that was, no, that he'd say that you're better than that. You're better than that result. You're better than that finish. You're better than what you think you are. That might've been your best effort. You might've given it all you have, but that's not your best. Because mm. if 15th is your best, you suck. Yeah. And, and I love Bob Levine. I mean, I love that man because he's like that. And, and I would, I would try to win the areas that I could win. Like I would try to be the best on pit road. And I don't know if anybody pays attention to that, but I do. I knew I couldn't win the race, but I could beat all them suckers going down pit road. Right. <laughs> and so awesome. I would do things like that. And Bob Levine, I would get a speeding penalty and he would pull me in the office and he would be like, what, what's the deal? And I said, Bob, I want to be the best on pit road. I want to win pit road every week. I know I'm not going to win on the racetrack. And, he's, and he said, well, you can't speed. That costs us too much. And I said, Bob, I can't, I can't be the best on pit road and never get a speeding ticket. Never happened. He said, yes, you can. You're a damn professional. You can be the best and not speed. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure it out. Right. I love it. And, and so just that, that mindset is, is like that. And even with Bob Jenkins, you know, people don't see him a lot, but he's fiery. You know, um, my first top 10 there, he didn't call me. I'm like, what is the deal? Like, I just got a top 10, you know, it was a big deal. He didn't even call me. And I saw him a couple of weeks later and he said, I didn't want to call you because I don't want you to think that a top 10 is a big deal. I expected you to run top 10. That's why I hired you. 
I mean, I'm proud of you. I think you did a good job, but I don't want you to, you know, that's not what we're celebrating here, you know? And so having good people around you like that, that keeps pushing you um, is important, but also having people that realize that you're not going to win every weekend. Like you said, we know where we're at as a race team and, and I know where I've been as a race car driver. Right. And so we know it's not every weekend, but you still push hard. Like, like you have something to achieve. So take me, how good is the race car driver off the racetrack of not being a race car driver? How good are you at being a dad Four kids? Now, what are their ages? Uh, 12, eight, seven, and six. Ooh. So listen, I- I'll be the first <laughs> to tell you that I have two teenagers now. I'm blessed to have a superstar wife who, who did everything when I was crew chiefing because I was yeah. not good at it, right? Like I yeah. blinked and they were 10 and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm trying hard, but I, I, I'm not sure I could do it all right. Um, yep. Every professional athlete, race car driver, golfer, doesn't matter that I have a chance to yep. talk to, ha- always talks about that. Some look at those kids as a relief, right? They leave, they can leave the, the sports behind. Some say they have to kind of have some alone time to kind of decompress before they get there. How are you going in and out of that portal from uh, race car driver to dad? Whew. Tough. Um, so, uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask my wife. So in that's the beginning, a fair question because yeah. I think my wife would be the only one that can answer for me. So yeah, that's yeah. A fair in, question. in the beginning, I was not good at it. I wasn't good at it. Then I learned that it just, I, it wasn't fair what I was doing to my family. Right. And then where I was at in the sport, that's why I'm so thankful for the journey where I was at in the sport. I did have that opportunity to decide what I wanted to be. Right. So to answer that question, I think I do pretty well at home, but it was a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. It was a conscious decision of, do I want to be a great race car driver and that be my legacy? Or do I want to be a great dad and that be my legacy? And being a great dad is more important than being a great race car driver, especially in the equipment that I was in at the time. Had I been in race winning stuff and having success, I don't know if I would have been able to make to do that. I really don't. I mean, I'm just being fair. I, I totally I know what it takes to be really good at it. And I know that you have to be really selfish. And I'm not saying that as a dig. You just have to be like, yeah, right. It is the way it's 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 just the way that it is in a high level. And so I'm thankful that I had the opportunity while it wasn't crazy to lay that foundation with my family. Right. Like I take my kids to school every day, every day that I'm home, I take them to school. I'm not always home, but if I'm home, I take them to school and I pick them up from school. Right. And so I tried to make my time at home count and my time at the racetrack count and my time at the race shop count. And that's why I'm always just so frantic. Like, because I just don't have a lot of time to BS. Yep. Like, yep. because I want to make my time count at home and I want to make my time count at shop. And, uh, but it took me a long time to do that. And one of the funny things, Nick Terry, who, um, you know, is, is one of the pastors at MRO, one of the chaplains, he was telling the story in chapel and it just hit me right in the face is like, he had a hard time separating the two getting home. Like he'd be thinking about the race, thinking about the mistakes, thinking about stuff and he couldn't switch the mind, but he just came up with this thing where when he got home, he hung his hard card up. And when he hung his hard card up, that was his mind shift of like, all right, I'm at home now. I'm going to focus on being at home and being present. 
And, and I don't actually literally take the hard cart off and do that, but I'm reminded every time I walk through that front door from the racetrack of like, all right, I'm going to go to the race shop at three o'clock and have my team meeting. But between now and three o'clock, I'm going to be engaged with my family, you know, um, and just trying to be intentional with, with that. But it is extremely hard. And I totally get it because your mind doesn't shut off. You have to train yourself to shut it off because it just doesn't shut off. You know, you're thinking, and I get on the plane and I'm already doing my notes and I'm already looking at my pit road speed and I'm looking at my entry to pit because I know we're going to talk about that in the meeting. And, and so you have a lot going through your mind. It's hard to just cut it off, you know, and, and shut it off. But um, knowing the goal, right? The goal, that's what's your what is what is always going to determine it is whatever your what is, right? And, right. and for me, my what is I want to, winning the 500 is awesome and it's incredible but I want to I want my kids to be good human beings and I want my family to be solid and that's more important than than trophies or anything else so that's my what you know yeah I, I get the question all the time they're like how'd you retire from crew chief and to go to tv and my, my, my question my answer is very simple and I said listen it got to a point where if I got hit by a bus and a race win or a record or a something about competition got put on my headstone then I left a lot on the table yeah, right? like right. I wanted to be on there, but it needs to be way down. Hey, solid crew chief. Hey, won a couple yeah. races, right? But that like yeah. should be the lead headline, right? Like we yeah. should be buried down there a little bit more. And there was yeah. a point in my career that I wasn't sure that was the case. I was like, yeah. man, like I think it is, but do I know, like without a doubt, that is buried that as far as yeah. it needs to be. So I had to make that change. Um, and it's great stuff. Uh, talking to Michael McDowell, the 2021 Daytona 500 champ. Uh, so Michael, I, I'm just we got um, a crazy schedule. We got road courses everywhere. We got a dirt race. We got this. You mentioned you're out. You're from Glendale, Arizona. You spend a little time out in Arizona right now. Um, there's so many things I kind of want to get your opinion on. Loves I see on the hat, right? You have, you have some sponsors. There's so many great things going. Um, is it a more focused year or are you going to just soak this year in, right? You got to win. You're in the playoffs. You, you're kind of, yeah. you know, you have a seat at the table. Is this the year that you think you can not focus less, not try less. That's not what I'm saying, yeah. but perhaps enjoy it more. And I'm a believer you can enjoy it more without giving something up. Yeah, you can. I think you're right. You can enjoy it more. I, I wish I would have done that early on. And I tell, I tell my buddies that are coming up this, you know, I, because it's so true is like in 2008, when I was a rookie, I, I got to experience incredible things like do incredible things because development was still happening. There was a lot of money in the sport. And, um, and so times were totally different than they are, you know, right now, uh, at least they were for me at the time. And, but I didn't take any of it in. I was so wrapped up in the pressure of performing, man. I didn't, I didn't soak in that morning, you know, in Daytona or that morning, you know, the first day at the brickyard. Right. And taking that all in, I just didn't do it. I just was so wrapped up in, oh, man, I ran 22nd. This sucks. Um, you know, just all of it, right? And right. not enjoying it. And so I totally agree with you. You can enjoy the journey and the process even when it's not the best, right? And right now it is the best. This is the best for me. So I am enjoying it. And, and you know, that's why I got my family here. And, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this week with them and taking it all in, but still trying to you know, do the best you can at being prepared and all that. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's, you know, you can do both. There's no doubt you can do both. And now I understand a little bit 
like when I see Harvick and Denny and even Chase, he's there's guys that have a swagger about them is the best way to say it. I know they're preparing. I know they're looking at video. I know they're looking at data, maybe less, maybe more. I don't know their personal life, but they show up confident and prepared. And they seem to be able to let go of those hard days pretty easy because they know that they're going to have good days and they're going to win. Right. And I always like, man, I just don't understand how they like, it seems so relaxed, you know, and then you see their heart rate and stuff. And like, then he starts to race at like 60. I'm 130 getting strapped in that sucker because I'm like jacked up. Like, you know what I mean? And so I, but now I understand a little bit of it. Like just the, the relief of winning a race, like you said, being in the playoffs, all those things, there is a relief where you can actually do your job a little bit better because you're, you have less self-inflicted pressure and anxiety to go with it. Yeah. It's impossible to even measure, uh, Michael, listen, man, I appreciate the time. You're a guy I'd love to spend more time around. Hopefully when this all gets back to normal, uh, you're going to see me more wandering through the garage. Maybe those practice weekends show back up and we can yeah. have a meal somewhere. First, let me say you've been winning in life, been a role model for a long time. That was never in doubt, but congratulations because as I said at the start of this conversation, I'll say it again. And, and what I will tell you, this is what I've learned. Every month, every year that I'm farther removed from winning the Daytona 500, it becomes more valuable. It, That's you awesome. think it would be the day after, but now here I am, man, I'm working on six, eight, seven years. Shouldn't even matter anymore. And it's not right. Like it's more valuable to me now than the day after I want it. I'm confident awesome. it'll be the same way to you. So man, thanks for the conversation. And more than anything, congratulations, buddy. You are a Daytona 500 champ. It is career changing and you earned it. Thank you very much. It's been fun. All right, man. Get back to that family. Michael McDowell driver. Daytona 500 champ, dad, a lot of fun conversation. This has been a good one. Well, this has been another episode of LaTarte on Location. As always, subscribe, rate, and review. Hit me up on social media, at Steve LaTarte on both Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate you following. And let me know who we should talk to next. <laughs>